We're talking about astronauts. We're talking about Tiffany Haddish. We are talking about beautiful boys. Me and Scott Menzel for episode 32 of Black Tomatoes. Stay tuned. Hey, hey, it's your girl, Carla Renata, a.k.a. The Curvy Critic. We are back for episode 32 of Black Tomatoes. I am your host, Carla Renata. What's up, (laughs) y'all? And joining me in the studio today, as always, is my co-host, who is... Scott Menzel. Wonderful to be here, as always. Yes. So, okay, so let me... So the music we're hearing in the background is from Nightmare... uh, Nightmare Before, Before Christmas, Christmas mm-hmm. which is a Tim Burton film. And so now we're officially into October. We're, we're um, eager and awaiting to talk about Halloween stuff. As we know, Halloween is not my favorite holiday because I'm not a horror chick, but I will embrace it nonetheless. Um, but let me, let's just talk about how our weeks went. So this week, okay, first of all, it was, it was a busy week from another vantage point. But let me tell you about <laughs> what, let me tell you what happened to me yesterday. So yesterday, my mother and I went to spend, um, we went to a taping celebrating Mickey Mouse's 90th birthday. So exciting. And then we went to eat afterwards. And I went to this place that I go to quite often. They redesigned the restaurant. And it usually like was a red door to open the door. Now it's a clear door. And it was so clear that I couldn't see that the door was closed. And I walked right into the door. I had two big old like... <laughs> I had two big Martian knots on my head this morning. Now it's kind of, it's gone down just a little bit, but oh man, that hurt. And then I found out that I wasn't the only one that had run into that door. The two of the waiters had run into that door too. Wow. So I'm sitting there waiting for my food and, and my, my glass of wine to come with like this big old ice pack <laughs> on my head. It was so embarrassing with a green cloth. So that was my night. How was your week? Uh, not that eventful at all. Um, <laughs> of course not. I did, I'll be walking yeah, yeah, in the doors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's been a very low-key week. Um, besides seeing Venom, which I had the misfortune of seeing, um, other than that, nothing. This has been a really <laughs> low-key week, I'm telling you. Uh, I did two shows on Friday, and that's it. Okay. Yep. Well, we'll go ahead and get right on into it. Yeah. So, um, First Man, we both of us saw that at the Toronto International Film Festival. It stars Ryan Gosling and uh, Claire, what's her, Claire's Foy. last name? Claire Foy from the, the Queen, the Queen, the Crown. <laughs> <laughs> I just think of her as the Queen from the Crown. And um, I was excited to see it just for that reason alone, that it was Ryan Gosling and it was Claire Foy in First Man, which is the story based on the book by the same name of Neil Armstrong's journey being one of the first men in space, right? So let me just say what I have to say about that. <laughs> Usually I try to be all things encompassing on the po- po- uh, positive tip. But what I will say about First Man is that I love that it reenacted very seamlessly the story of how these astronauts went from being, you know, just regular old astronauts to being the ones picked to make that first journey to the moon. And that first step, you know, one for man, one, one big, one giant, one step for mankind, one giant leap. I'm sorry, one step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Like, I love that. And I love how they intersplice the, the real footage with the, the Damien Chazelle footage in the film. But overall, um, Two things that I would say is that I love finding out how much these astronauts sacrifice in their personal lives in the, in the name of science in order to help us, you know, live better here on Earth. 
I loved that, and I love the artistry of Damien Chazelle, which he has so seamlessly shown in Whiplash and in La La Land. But that was kind of it. Like, I mean, in the overall film, I wasn't bowled over by Ryan Gosling. I'm sorry to say I'm a huge fan of him and Clara Foy, as I said, but I wasn't bowled over by them or anybody else's performances in this film. If I had to choose between the two of which I was more impressed by, I would say I was more impressed by the the scenes that Claire Foy took the lead on rather than Ryan Gosling. And I know that there's been some criticism regarding um, the characterization of these people, but at the end of the day, these were real people. So they're reenacting what happened in real life by real people. I know that Neil Armstrong's sons have no issues with the way Ryan Gosling portrayed their father because they feel like it was pretty close to what they experienced in, in their lives. But yeah, I kind of was more in love with the artistry of the filmmaking of Damien Chazelle than I was by the acting performances in this film. I agree. Oh, you do? I do. 100%. <laughs> Oh my God. 100%. No. Um, this is the biggest disappointment of 2018 for me. Um, mm. Because I am such a big La La Land fan. Mm. I'm such a big Whiplash fan. Mm. I went into this movie hoping for, I don't know, just to be blown away. I really, really wanted to say that. But the truth is, it's just like you. Um, when it comes to the scientific aspect of this film, the the visual style of the film... It's beautiful. It, it's 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 on the verge of being a masterpiece. Absolutely. But, but then, when you pull back and you look at the characters and how dull they are, and the stories between them and the interaction or the lack thereof of interaction, there's just no emotional connection with these characters, and it just felt really long. It felt really repetitive. It felt real tedious, and I after a while, I just checked out. And by the time we got to the moon landing, you know, spoiler alert, they land on the moon. Um, yeah. It is a true story, kids. It is a hey. true story. So oh there's that. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> you know, and the way that it, that last, um, I want to say it was like this, this, this emotion, this last attempt to really bring the uh, audience and bring them in emotionally mm. at the end of the movie, like, that fell so flat for me yeah. that I almost like burst out laughing because it oh, was no, such... Oh, no, not burst out laughing. Because it was like... Oh, it, no. I don't know if that's really what happened, but if it is, but the way that it's built up in this movie feels so Hollywoodized. Like, you're just watching, and I'm kind of like, no. Um, the other thing that, you know, you point out is that you this is a story of a husband and wife and there's so little focus on the kids. They're so focused. There's so little focus on the friendships that are made. Things happen to the other astronauts throughout the movie. They're like there one minute, they're gone the next. And there's like, it's just boom, 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 boom. There's like no time spent grieving or moving over everything. It's just glossed over. Well, I think that in defense of that, I think that when you grieve over that type of loss, it happens over a period of time, and there's only so much time you can devote to that on film. Right. You know, so I, I will uh, defend them in that respect. I won't defend them in how it was not shown how it affected his family in particular since this was based on his life. Right. But what I will defend them on is there, there was that one scene where Claire Foy, as his wife tells Neil Armstrong that he needs to tell his 
his kids that he may not come back. She's not doing it again, that he needs to do that. And you can see the pain in his face and in his voice in having to do that. What parent wants to tell their kid, yeah, I'm going up in space. It's a really cool thing, but mm, I might not come back. And I'm going to need you to be okay with that. I don't know any child or any family member that's going to be okay with that. So there was this one scene devoted to that with Claire and Ryan and the the young um, kids that played their children that I thought that scene was exceptional. That's the only scene in the movie that I thought was exceptional because other than that, it just showed this man who made this decision in the name of science, like I said earlier, to, to pick a profession where there are dangers attached to it, like a firefighter or a policeman would have, but on a completely different level. Like if something happens to a firefighter, firefighter, excuse me, they may perish or they may, you know, get um, a little bit injured. And the same thing goes with a police officer. But if you go in space and the spaceship blows up, that it's a wrap. Right. So, you know, what it did remind me of is I remember very well. When the Challenger blew up. Mm -hmm. I remember that so vividly. I was in college at the time. And I remember that. And I remember thinking, (laughs) and I know this isn't true, but I remember watching that thinking, wow, this feels like a Hollywood movie, but it's real life. And there are astronauts that were in that capsule that are never coming back. And I remember how daunting that was and how shocking it was and how it took a minute for it to sink in that this was real life and it wasn't a Hollywood movie. And so to think about that and then watch that film, knowing that this, you know, that they had fellow astronauts perish just in the process of preparing to go up in space. That one scene where the guys were in the capsule and it blew up before it even took off right. was just like, that broke my heart. That's that's what's interesting about the movie. Like, there's elements like that one that are very powerful, but they're so rushed. Like, the movie just glosses over it. They show that instead of showing, like, a little bit of the aftermath or building on the aftermath of it, it just kind of like, okay, and this is what happened next. And that's my problem with this movie as a whole is that there's so many times where I'm sp- – I'm in the, uh, you know, the spaceship with Ryan Gosling, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm, he's looking up at the sky and the, sh- the camera's shaking like this and you get to see the fly or the crack or whatever. And there's so many, so many scenes like that where, like, I get it. I feel claustrophobic. I feel like I'm in the ship. And that's great. But what's not great about the film is when something like that happens mm-hmm. and then you're just kind of like, okay, well, we're not going to focus on that. We're just going <laughs> to gloss over on that. And... That that was really weird to me because those are the moments where I felt like they had the most um, emotion to them. But because there was such a lack there of afterwards, like there was such a lack of focus on those, that the movie just kept going. And you're just like, okay, like, and then something else is going to happen. Oh, it's devastating again. Oh, and something else is going to happen. Devastating again. Um, and I do need to point this out because this, this is really something that I've noticed Um we were actually having a conversation at Telluride about this with um, people at dinner. You know, Damien Sazelle has been making the, the same movie three times in a row now. This is the third time that he's made the same movie. And what I mean by that is it's a story of this white guy who feels very much like he's passionate about something that he loves. You know, he's, he loves whether it's drums, whether it's, you know, jazz, now whether it's being an astronaut. And he puts everything else in his life to the side. Mm-hmm. And he focuses on that. Hmm. 
And the movie, this one out of all those so far, I think does the worst job of capturing everything. That's a really interesting point of view. I don't see it that way. But what I do, what I will say about Damien Chazelle is that he's a filmmaker. He is an exquisite filmmaker. He does things with a camera in the in the name of telling a story that I haven't quite seen in in this century. I just haven't seen it, and it's very creative and it's very daunting. And it it and like you said earlier, it really does put you in whatever that situation is. For that, I appreciate him as a filmmaker because we don't have that many of them that do that, and he's young. And so I'm really interested and eager to see what he has coming up his sleeve next. But this is not going to stop what you or I have said and other critics, as we know, have said or criticized him for with regards to this particular film. It's not going to stop the film from getting an Oscar nomination. It's not going to stop him from getting an Oscar nomination. Whether he wins or not, whether the film wins wins or not, will remain to be seen. And I agree with you on the visual aspect of it. You know, that's the point where I give this movie a ton of credit for, um, you know, thinking about the planetarium scene in La La Land, like mm-hmm. how amazing that is, or how just a simple, like someone playing the drums and whiplash, you know, tempo, you know, whatever, not my tempo, not my tempo, like just the way that he cut, like he's a he's, master behind yes, the camera. Is. Yes, he is. But what, what I think he needs to focus a little bit more on is his storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's the, the storytelling. I know, I know you didn't see the direct connection. It just the storytelling feels very similar in all three of the films. Okay, and it just kind of has the same kind of foundation. Yes, the, the themes are different. You know, one's in space, one's about jazz, and one's about mm-hmm. drums. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the theme, the, the the central story seems pretty much the same. It's focused on a main white guy who has some kind of passion, and he's willing to put everything else to the side. Okay, well we. Sort of, kind of, agree for the most part on this one. So we'll just leave that one to the side for right now. And moving on to the oath. So Tiffany Haddish is having one hell of a year. I mean, this doll every month has two to three movies coming out every month. We talked about her last week with Night School. This week we're talking about her with The Oath. She has another school. school. She has another movie coming out, uh, I believe, either later this month or next month called Nobody's Fool. November. uh, November With with Regina Hall. So she's kind of on a roll. She just won the Emmy for uh, guest hosting Saturday Night Live. So, I mean, she's kind of on a roll. And I'm not mad at her. I'm like, girl, ride that wave until it runs out. I am so not mad at you. But this time she's paired up with Ike Barinholtz, who we know, well, people that watch TV know him mm-hmm. from the Mindy Project, which was one of my all-time favorite shows, and some other things. He was in, I think he was in I Feel Pretty. He was yep. in, He's in a lot of com- comedic Neighbors. movies. Yeah, he's in a lot of comedic movies where he plays, you know, just a fool all the time. But this time he's in The Oath, and it centers around a situation where the government has decided that every American needs to sign this document called the oath. And if they do not sign it by Thanksgiving Day, there's going to be consequences and repercussions for those who do not sign. Henceforth, <laughs> some people show up at at Chris's um, house, who's played by Ike, Chris and Kai. Kai is um, Tiffany Haddish. They show up, these government officials show up at Kai and Chris's house on Thanksgiving Day, and shenanigans ensue as a result of that. The film couldn't be more timely just because of the fact that it's right before the midterm elections. It's right after um, a certain person has been uh, confirmed as a Supreme Court justice. Mm -hmm. Um, After, you know, hours and hours of testimony of this woman 
um, basically saying that she was upset that people laughed at her. And then to have the president of the United States mock her openly was just kind of like, ooh, okay. So The Oath is one of these films that addresses this from um, a dramedy point of view, not addresses those particular issues, but the issue that I spoke of earlier about them actually signing the oath. And it brings to light all of the characters in your life that (laughs) that have had personality changes or differences of opinion as a result of how the politics have shifted in America. So Chris's character is always just oh so exasperated over the fact that there's something else popping off every two seconds in America over the politics. And the same can be true in real life as as it pertains to what we know now. And then there's family members that will go, okay, honey, I agree with you just to shut you up. Or there are family members that say nothing, which is worse because you know that they're kind of guilty of whatever it is you're complaining about. So we have all these characters involved in this film. The thing that I love most about this film is that it does put a dramatic... Uh, spin on all of the politics that we're dealing with in America right now. The other thing I love about it is that because you see Tiffany Haddish's name in the title of a film, people assume that it's going to be some zany comedy like Girls Trip where she's going to be popping off and being crazy. And this actually shows that Tiffany Haddish has more dramatic chops than people would think that she does. But that kind of annoys me because she's an actress. So an actress, if you're an actress, you can act, period. I'm just saying. So I'm kind of annoyed for her, Tiffany Haddish. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm annoyed for you if people think that, you know, maybe you you were not going to be able to bring it. But you bring it. And you bring it very effectively. And you bring it with class. And you bring it with clarity. And I appreciated that. I appreciate the fact that this is a film with a bunch of comedy heavyweights, most of them from Saturday Night Live, that are coming into this and they are just, you know, not being funny. I appreciate the fact that one of my co-stars from Superstore is in it, who just happens to be the director, producer, writer, star of the film, Ike Barinholtz's brother, John Barinholtz. I appreciate that he's bringing something different to the table, too. I didn't know that he had that in him and I didn't know that he was Ike's brother until I showed up to the press junket. It was like, oh, this is Ike's brother. This is going to be fun to interview John. So there was that. But in short, I just want to say that I enjoyed this film for what it is. It makes a very strong political statement, but it doesn't beat you over the head with it. And I'm hoping that people, when they see this, it will be an impetus for them to go out and vote during the midterm elections, regardless of what your views are, regardless of how you feel, you know, everybody has a voice. People have marched and died for you to be able to exercise that voice and that opinion. And I'm hoping that the oath um, pushes you forward in that decision. Yeah, I I agree. We should go out and <laughs> oh vote. Oh, my God. You should go out we and vote. We have agreed on two uh, things in a row. You, you, I cannot you, handle it right you, now. <laughs> you should go out and vote. It's very important. I want to say that this movie was very surprising to me because when I went into it and when I walked out of it, I had two different impressions of this film. Me too. Um, the trailer it doesn't really give you a good idea what the movie's about. Uh, it kind of seems like this fun comedy, like, hey, we're all going to come together for dinner and we're going to talk about politics and that's going to be it. And there's so much more to it than that. Um, it's definitely a movie where I think you need to watch multiple times in order to appreciate uh, all the nuances of the storytelling Absolutely. and the dialogue. 
And um, I I want to applaud Ike Barinholtz for I know that most of Hollywood and probably himself uh, fall underneath the liberal perspective of uh, politics. Um, but I appreciate the fact that instead of it being a Republican character or mm-hmm. a very far right character mm-hmm. who was constantly obsessing over it, it was the opposite in this film, which I thought was refreshing in a lot of ways. It also kind of talks a little bit about social media and our dependency on it and how negative and nasty the social media world is and how it kind of sucks up all our time and uh, makes us mean and angry people. <laughs> so, I I mean, there's a lot to take in and um, I wanted to comment on your point about Tiffany Haddish as well. Tiffany Haddish is, is an incredible actress and, uh, you know, people, you know, they look at someone because they do a breakthrough performance like Girls Trip and they say, oh, can Tiffany Haddish do drama and everything else? Of course she can because guess what? If you don't know this, Drama is easier than than comedy. comedy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that should be no surprise that she can do this. And she's really good at it. And I can't wait to see her take on more roles like this uh, where she's she's done two movies now where she's been her loud, you know, happy self. Mm -hmm. And like she's funny as hell. Mm -hmm. But seeing her a little bit more toned back and doing some dramatic stuff, I'm I'm all for seeing this too. Mm -hmm. And I think she's going to be here for a long time. I'm so excited for her. So excited for her. And I'm excited for Ike because, you know, I can't think of a film that he has directed and produced. And, and I remember speaking. This is the first time. Yeah. So I'm. this is really great for him. And such a wonderful, prolific topic on top of that. And I love the fact that they they centered the film around Thanksgiving. And I know that you and I were at the junket and I love that all of the food was all encompassing of Thanksgiving. And when I spoke with Tiffany and John and Meredith, who plays John's girlfriend, Abby and I, you know, we talked about Thanksgiving treats and all that kind of thing. So I, I just love that it's centered around a holiday, not Christmas, right? Right. right, Mind you, but Thanksgiving, a holiday where people give thanks for those around them <laughs> and what's happening in their lives. So I, I really appreciate it. I think this film is going to surprise a lot of people. It's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. It's not because some of the politics and shenanigans that are happening right now are not everybody's cup of tea. So it's going to be one of those things that's either going to be divisive or it's going to bring people together. And it's my hope that it brings people together. I have bad. I have a bad feeling that the movie's not going to do well at all. But um, just because the climate of what's happening in America is the only reason why that, I and, well. and the way that it's marketed it makes you believe like we were talking about like it's going to be a different movie yeah, no. and and then when you walk into it and halfway through it you're going to be like oh this is not what I expected mm-hmm. and you know there's a different type of audience for this type of movie mm-hmm. and I, I know this is another film this year there's been a couple of them where they just didn't know how to market it mm-hmm. and uh, unfortunately this this falls into that but Hopefully people go into it with an open mind, and um, I I would just suggest that if you're into politics at all, this is a good movie to see. Absolutely. No matter where you fall. You know what else is good to see? BHL fans, <laughs> Black Hollywood Live fans. Black Hollywood Live, in case you didn't know, is the first urban digital broadcast network in existence. And since its inception, BHL has prided itself on creating outstanding content in all areas from news, 
music and politics to lifestyle and entertainment. We've not only given a voice to the often underserved black and Latino community, we've also provided new hosts like Scott Menzel and myself with the dopest platform to exercise their talents. And that's not all, y'all. BHL has done the same for many Hollywood A-list, including Oprah Winfrey, whom has made multiple BHL appearances and given us several shout-outs. And that's something to say if Lady O is talking about you. I'm just saying. Now that Black Hollywood... Now, I'm just saying, Black Hollywood Live needs your help. How can you do that? I'm going to tell you how. By subscribing to our YouTube channel. That's the BHL YouTube channel, where you can find Black Tomatoes every Sunday at 5 o'clock. Just giving you that plug. (laughs) Subscribing to our YouTube channel will also help you find other new shows that I'm sure you'll love. And And if you're worried about, you know, pesky notifications, don't worry about that. They're optional. You don't have to accept or not accept. It's totally, totally optional. So... Hit that subscribe button now. It's easy and it helps us continue our work. Let us know that you liked us in the comments and we'll show you some love on the air like we always do here at Black Tomatoes. And thanks for being so supportive to the fans. I'm sorry. Thanks for being supportive fans to BHL, helping us take the network to the next level and continue to redefine Hollywood. I know that Scott Menzel and myself here at Black Tomatoes wholeheartedly appreciate you all tuning into Black Hollywood Live and giving us shout outs and talking in the chat room with us about the films that we share with you. So keep that up and also run over to um, iTunes and we're also on Spotify now. So Pop over to iTunes, let us know how you feel. Pop over to Spotify and help us become the number one show, review show for all things film at Black Hollywood Live. Now, moving on to the... Well done, Carla. I know, I worked that out, did I? (laughs) Well done. So moving on to the next film, Beautiful Boy. Beautiful Boy stars Timothy Chalamet, who was the award season darling this past award season with Call Me By Your Name, and Steve Carell. Let me just say something about Steve Carell. Steve Carell, <laughs> every award season, has a, a fantabulous movie that he is fantabulous in and gets no love. I, for one, have a really hard time understanding why that is. When he did Foxcatcher with Chatham, Chatham Tatum, Channing Tatum, I just knew that both of them were going to get love. I just knew that that film was going to get love, and alas, it did not. I'm really hoping and praying for his sake that he gets some love on Beautiful Boy because he is absolutely slaying in this movie. Beautiful Boy is about this family who is struggling through the addiction of one of their family members, played by Timothy Chalamet. This young child just cannot get it together. He's one of these people that is so insecure and so not about himself that he cannot find any other solace other than through some type of substance. Everybody that I know on the on the face of planet Earth has either known someone who's addicted, is related to someone who's addicted. We just all know somebody. So there's not one person that will go and see this film and not be affected by it. I promise you. It's going to bring some tissue because you're going to be crying. You're going to be crying and you're going to be upset when you... This is not a feel-good movie by any stretch of the imagination. I think it deals with the subject of addiction very realistically. I think it doesn't sugarcoat it. I think Timothy Chalamet does a a very wonderful job at portraying someone um, in this condition. 
And I think it will probably be one of the films we'll be talking about during award season as well. I know for sure that as someone who, I remember when I was growing up, I had a cousin that was in the military and came back from the military. And I don't know what um, he was exposed to when he was in the service, but when he came back, he was having some drug issues. And I remember there being an after-school special It was called Go Ask Alice or Don't Ask Alice or something like that. And one of the the things that was shown in that that after school special, and it was I think that was based on a book as well. My cousin was going through it, and I remember bringing it to my mother's attention. And I remember there was a holiday where my cousin went full tilt, and it was really hard to watch. He was one of my favorite cousins. It was hard to watch. It was hard to comprehend because I was 10 years old, I think, at the time. And it was really, really hard. So when I watched this movie, immediately my my memories went back to that time of watching, you know, a dear family member go through that and watching my family not be equipped emotionally, um, intellectually, or medically in how to deal with somebody who's going through that. So I enjoyed this film for the simple fact that it will enlighten some people Someone may see it and it may resonate with them to go get someone in their family or friend help. So I think in that regard, it's done its job. I disagree. No, no. I I was, and I want to preface this by saying that I'm glad you enjoyed this. Mm. Um, This is probably one of the most polarizing films of the year because I feel like people have either come out of this movie and really loved it Mm. or people have come out and really been not affected by this movie at all. Mm. Me and Ashley were on that (coughs) spectrum. Um, I want to first start this off by saying what you said about Steve Carell. I am 100% a Steve Carell fanboy. I've been a fanboy of his ever since Daily Show, you know, Jon Stewart Daily Show when he was doing, like, the co-hosting and stuff like that. And he's, he's transitioned so well from a comedic actor to dramatic actor, back and forth to animated voices and everything. Um... When I watched this movie, <laughs> all I kept seeing from him was him yelling, 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 oh, yelling, no. yelling, 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 yelling. Oh, um, no. And so sad. It just, yeah, <laughs> I just didn't connect. And this is another movie where Timothy Chalamet, you know, he's 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 a good actor. Don't get me wrong, but I just I feel like. You know, Call Me By by Your Name was a really breakout performance for him, but this is just, I feel like, such a by-the-numbers portrayal of someone facing addiction with him. And he's just mm. like, he cries, he's doing drugs, Steve Carell calls and yells at him, then he cries some more, then he shoots up a little bit. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I you know, movies about addiction are not easy to watch. A movie just opened this weekend. Star is Born, which deals with it. And Absolutely. I saw this movie, Star is Born, and then Ben is Back, which I don't know if you had the... I didn't see Ben is Back, but I did see these two. Another one about addiction. Mm-hmm. And they they all handle addiction in three That's different ways. It's a Roberts film. Right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh God, Lucas, Lucas Hedges. Mm-hmm. This one, it was just the least effective for me. Um, and, 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 and I have a reason for it. My reason for this is... It's very encompassing where I'm watching this family and it seems like life is not going on around them. Mm-hmm. You know, like Steve Carell 
plays a father, but he also works for the, I think, Rolling Stone. He works for, He's a writer for Rolling Stone. Yeah. And there's like one or two scenes where he's in the room just sitting there thinking, but like the movie doesn't show, and this is where my problem is with it, what is going on, ex, you know, internally through all these other things that are going on in his life. Um, you know, he calls up his ex-wife. All he does is yell at her. There's no, Amy Ryan is in this movie and I don't know who Amy Ryan's agent is, but she, <laughs> oh, she no. No, 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 I love Amy Ryan. Okay. Amy Ryan has been wasted in so many movies. I mean, even if you like this movie, you have to agree that Amy Ryan didn't have that much to do. She didn't have that much to do, and neither did Maura Tierney, who right. plays Steve Carell's wife. But the little bit that they did give Maura Tierney and the little bit that they did give Amy Ryan did show that they, you know, that they had the chops to be there. But the the scene where Maura Tierney chases after that him, scene's great. I'm like, oh man, it just broke my heart. That was the that scene was my favorite scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, just the other ones were just. It's too much of just showing them crying and yelling and being depressed. Mm-hmm. And there's no – I got to compare it to Stars Born and mm-hmm. Ben is Back because they're so familiar to mm-hmm. me. In Ben is Back, they showcase addiction and how it, how it pretty much affects the mom, how it affects the family, how it affects these lives through all these different stories. In Stars Born, it shows how it affects Lady Gaga's character and his manager and all this stuff. This one, it's just nothing else is going on. For two hours in the movie. It's just them yelling and crying and yelling and crying, yelling and coloring. And then there's flashback sequences that don't really do enough to set up backstory of the movie. So I felt really bad for not liking this movie because I know the movie itself, it's based on a true story. It's about a father and son and they, they, they wrote, you know, a book, actually two books, and that's mm-hmm. part of the movie and it was combined. But there was just this disconnect where and I hate this term, it felt so Oscar baity to me, where it just was really? just people crying and people just yelling and like just mm. looking looking into the camera and pouting. I just had such a disconnect with this movie. Okay. Sorry. All right. That's okay. Don't be sorry. <laughs> that's that's why we have opinions, yeah, yeah. you know, and that's why we express them and that's why you're here because I know that you're not necessarily going to agree with everything that I say and you're and I'm not going to agree with everything you say and it's all good and hood. Yep. So, there's that. Um, but I did want to move forward to talking about the streaming picks of the sure. week. So there's two and they're completely different. One is called Tea with Dames which debuted at the Los Angeles Film Festival which happened here in LA last week and they had some really good films that were featured there. One was called Fire on the Hill about black cowboys in South Central. Another one was called Olympia about a young woman who's turning 30 and she's having a, a midlife crisis at 30 which I think is really funny. Um, <laughs> and then the other one is Tea with Dames and it uh, stars... Dame Maggie Smith, Dame Judy Dench, Dame Joan, uh, I want to say Plowright, and Eileen Atkins is the other one, I believe. And if I'm wrong in it, somebody please tell me. But these four women are really good friends. They're English actresses of a certain age, and they get together once a year at Dame Joan's house to, you know, reminisce about their years and their acting lives. And what's really interesting is that all of them were gorgeous, like drop-dead gorgeous back in the day. Now they are middle-aged women in England. And I thought America was the only country (laughs) that um, 
discriminated or felt some kind of way about middle-aged actresses, but apparently England mm, does it yes, too. Yes. And these women speak very candidly about how that has, you know, reared its ugly head in their realm and how they, each one of them, have chosen to deal with it. They also speak about uh, Sir Lawrence Olivier, who Joan was married to for years and years and years, and how each one of them were actually petrified of him <laughs> because he was such an iconic actor and so very wonderful at what he did that he was intimidating for each and every one of them, including his wife. But um, this it is, is a documentary. It's a documentary, and it's now available to be streamed on Vudu. It's really, really wonderful. As somebody that's a theater person, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, and I think that somebody that's not a theater person or that somebody just that just loves their work will really enjoy learning about their journey through life and where they are now and how they're choosing to deal with it. It's an excellent film. Excellent. Film. I haven't seen it. I definitely want to check it out. It's wonderful. And then the other streaming pick of the week is called Private Lives with um what is that child's name? Paul Giamatti and yes, Catherine Hahn. There you go. Paul Giamatti. I love Paul Giamatti. Me too. Oh, I love He's Paul He's hilarious. And this film deals with a couple that is um, coping with infernity, stru- infernity, infertility, <laughs> just wrong, infertility struggles to keep their marriage um, going and as they navigate through the world of adoption and assisted reproduction, which is real for a lot of couples nowadays that are no longer able to have children. And that's streaming on Netflix, and I, it's it's really good. Did you see this at Sundance? I did not see it at Sundance. I saw it at a screening here in L.A. I didn't see it at Sundance. I thought this movie was really great. I mean... I think it's good. It's yeah. really emotional and hard to watch mm-hmm. because, um, I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't relate... To me personally, but um, my wife used to work for a surrogate agency, mm. and I used to hear all the stories all the time about couples and whatnot. And um, you know, kind of watching this on the big screen and seeing this couple go through it, uh, it's pretty heartbreaking. And and it doesn't it doesn't necessarily end the way that you were hoping for either. Absolutely not. And um, <laughs> Paul Giamatti and Catherine Hahn seem like an odd pairing. But they're great. But they're on great screen. together. Yeah, they're great on screen together. Yeah. So I think these two are some really good ones to check out for this week's streaming. Um, like I said before, T- uh, Tea with Dames is streaming via Vudu, and Private Life can be found on Netflix. Now, for my big surprise for my co-host, oh boy, Scott Menzel, he shared with me eons ago that his favorite movie is Nightmare Before Christmas which is celebrating its 25th anniversary this year so in light of that I have a big box she's going all out see this this is ridiculous I have a big box of stuff for Mr. Scott so for those of you watching on YouTube you will be able to see it for those of you that are listening you'll be able to hear me talk about it so in this box is of course the Nightmare Before Christmas DVD. Awesome. And um, let's see, what else do we have in here? And it's courtesy of Zach. Sorry, I know this is a lot of noise. and People hate hate when I make noise on this this podcast. Oh, that's awesome. A snack bowl with the Nightmare on Christmas logo on it. It's two of them. Very cool. Thank you. So this is for you to have a party with. Yep. Um, Let's see what's in here. They went all out. It's really I know, nice. They did, and and this one is a mug, I believe. Yeah, so nightmare on Elm Street mug. All right. And Sally then mug. in this box, what do we have in this box? <laughs> I think it's another mug. 
They've got, they went all out. They went, spiders was, this and, is like a couple's package. <laughs> like, it's like, this will be for Ashley. And then there's And that's for one. May. Oh, Yay. thank you, dear. I think that's everything that's in, oh, no, there's more stuff in here. So, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot there's even more stuff. And then there is this thing, which is a two-piece glass set. Ensemble. Oh, there's cool. that. Let me make sure I got everything. And then there's some. So there's some apple cider for you to put in there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but this is courtesy of Zach. And so you and Ashley need to have a party and some popcorn for a your pair, snack. A pair, oh wow! Okay. <laughs> And we can watch Nightmare and you everything. Can watch Nightmare. So, you guys, if you have not seen Tim Burton's Nightmare, I think that's everything that's in here. Oh, no, no there's, there's another bowl. There's another bowl. Yep, that's everything that's, that's it. in. Cool. So, if you guys have not seen Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas, Nightmare not Elm Street. Why I say Elm Street? <laughs> before Christmas. Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas. Go check that out. It is the 21st. 21st, 25th anniversary of that film, and we just gave it a big, ginormous plug here at Black Tomatoes, yes. and I gave a big, ginormous gift box to my co-host. Thank you, dear. <laughs> Thank you. Who I know is his favorite movie of lots of stuff to celebrate his favorite film with his wife, Ashley, with, and it was courtesy of Zach. Um, yeah, and Zach is Z-A-K. So there's that. Can I talk about this movie real quick? Yes, of course you can. So close um, this box while you're doing that. So <laughs> for those who don't know me personally, um, I've I've always grew up a movie lover. It was one of my favorite things to do growing up, um, and one of my biggest influences growing up, along with Steven Spielberg and John Hughes, was Tim Burton. I grew up watching Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Beetlejuice, Batman, but it wasn't until Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas came out that I knew that I had to do something with my life in terms of film. Um, that movie opened my imagination in ways that I just cannot describe. Um, my mom and dad were together at the time when we went to see this movie. Mm-hmm. And they both disliked this movie very strongly. Oh, because really? they they did not like the musical aspect of it, the Danny oh. Elfman music. And I loved it. Like I, this was one of those. This movie became an addiction for me. No. <laughs> and I, on my birthday, this movie came out on October twelfth, nineteen ninety three, and I saw it on that day. And then for my birthday, I begged them to go see it. They did not want to go see it. They begged me. <laughs> they begged me to give me like a hundred, two hundred bucks and take me to the store and buy stuff instead. But I said, nope, I want to see this movie again. And I have an entire room worth of stuff. Uh, dedicated to this film. It is a remarkable film. I watch it every year. Um, past, Not this past year because they didn't do it, but the past two years I went to go see Danny Elfman live at the Hollywood Bowl, mm-hmm. which they're doing this year, which I'm definitely going to. <laughs> yeah, of course uh, you are. <laughs> and then Ashley also got me, when we first moved out here, they did a uh, Tim Burton, Danny Elfman music tribute where we went to as well. But this movie I think is remarkable. Um, it, it's definitely, uh, it's, it's, it still remains amazing 25 years later and shows you how remarkable stop-motion animation is. Um, I don't know how animators do this. This movie took almost like 15 years to make, Mm -hmm. and it's pretty incredible because every single frame of this film is like someone going in, snapping a photo, putting a head on, snapping a photo, moving the mouth a little bit, snapping a photo. It's remarkable thinking about it, and Mm -hmm. um, this movie just... It changed my life. I, I, I mean, it's my it's my favorite movie, and I love it. And uh, 
some people say that it's not as great as I make it out to be, but it's it's to to me everyone has their favorite, and this is my personal favorite. So well, thank I'm you, gl- Carla. Oh, it's my pleasure. I cannot wait to. Be- I've been <laughs> holding on to this for like weeks. <laughs> so that is it. Thank for you. This- 32nd episode of Black Tomatoes. Next week, we will talk about Halloween. So let me just say that now that this is officially October, every week we will highlight a different or maybe two or three um, Halloween or horror flicks. So next week, we're going to talk about Halloween because I know you and Ashley saw that at uh, Toronto. Toronto. I was going to say Sundance. (laughs) And we're going to talk about what they had. So I am your host, Carla Renata. You can find me across all social media platforms at The Curvy Critic. You can also catch me at 6 p.m. Pacific time over at the General Hospital uh, after show and on Monday nights as the host for Dancing with the Stars on Monday night at 9pm and where can we find you? You can find me at WeLiveEntertainment.com You can find me here on Black Tomatoes every Sunday at 5pm with this beautiful woman next to me, this beautiful talented woman, Carla Renata, superstar that she is (laughs) Uh, I also do two other shows. They air back-to-back on Fridays on Popcorn Talk Network, Meet the Movie Press, and also LAOFCS Weekly. Uh, You can check those out as well. They're on YouTube. Thank you so much for watching, and once again, thank you, Carla. Thank you, guys, and we look forward to seeing you next week. I know we had some technical difficulties last week, but we're back. Okay, see you next week. Bye. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, We would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagram me, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood Hollywood Redefined. Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.